Chapter 41 of Regiment of Women. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Hope for Swamp. Regiment of Women by Clemens Dane. Chapter 41. Elspeth, sitting at the window, had seen them come down the street and was at the door to welcome them. Alwyn was kissed rather gravely, but Elspeth and Roger greeted each other like the oldest of trusted friends. Alwyn's eyebrows lifted, but Elspeth ignored her. She scalded Roger for being late, showed him his roses, revived and fragrant in their blue bowls, and when Alwyn turned to go and dress, declared that he looked starved. That supper was long overdue, and must be eaten at once. Roger seconded her, and to supper they went. Alwyn raged silently. What was the matter with Elspeth? She had barely greeted her, and now to be so inconsiderate, to insist on sitting down to supper then and there, without giving her time to make herself decent. Couldn't she see how tired Alwyn was, how badly in need of soap and water and a brush and comb, let alone a prettier frock? It wasn't fair. Elspeth might know she would want to look nice, with Roger there. She did not choose to look a frump, however Elspeth dressed herself. It dawned on her, however, as Elspeth, resigning the joint to Roger, began to mix a salad under his eye after some particular recipe of his imparting, that Elspeth, on this occasion, was looking anything but a frump. She wore her best dress of soft, dark purple stuff, and a scarf of fine old lace that, as Alwyn very well knew, saw the light on high in holy days only, and a bunch of Roger's roses were tucked in her belt. Her hair was piled high in a fashion new to Alwyn, a tiny black velvet bow set off its silvery grey. It was waved, too, and clustered becomingly at the temples. Alwyn, gasping, realised that Elspeth must have paid a visit to the local coiffeur. She realised also, for the first time, how pretty, in delicate, pink may fashion her aunt must once have been. At any other time, Alwyn would have been delighted at the improvement, for she was proud of Elspeth, in daughterly fashion, and had bristled untiringly with her indifference to dress. She knew she would have hailed the change, but, to her own annoyance, she found it irritating. It displeased her that she herself should be dishevelled and day-worn, while Elspeth faced her, cool and dainty and dignified. Roger was obviously impressed. Roger, to whom Elspeth had been so carefully, deprecatingly explained. It made Alwyn look such a fool. How was she to know that Elspeth would have this whim? She had never guessed that Elspeth could make herself look so charming, and she to be in her street clothes, with her hair like a mouse's nest. It was too bad. However, it didn't seem to matter. Roger, it was clear enough, had no eyes for her. Her resentment grew, 
She attempted to join in the conversation, but though Roger listened gravely and answered politely, she never caught a twinkle in his eye. He invariably flung back the ball to Elspeth as quickly as might be. She mentioned Dean, made intimate allusions to their walks and adventures, and he turned to explain them, to include Elspeth, with a pointedness that made Alwyn pink with vexation. She began to long to get him to herself, to quarrel or make peace as he pleased, but anyhow to get him to herself. Couldn't one have a moment's conversation without dragging Elspeth into it? So absurd of Roger. Slowly, she realized that neither Roger nor Elspeth were finding her indispensable, and her surprise was only rivaled by her indignation. Elspeth particularly, it was simply beastly of Elspeth, was being, in her impalpable way, unapproachable. She was angry about something. Alwyn knew the signs. She, Alwyn, supposed that she ought to have written, but she did write a postcard. One couldn't be everlastingly writing letters. Anyone but Elspeth would have waived the matter, with a visitor present, but Elspeth was so vindictive. Here Alwyn's rebellious conscience allied itself with her sense of humour to protest against the picture of a vindictive Elspeth. They bubbled with tender laughter at the idea. Alvin must needs laugh with them, a trifle remorsefully, and admit that the idea was fantastic, that Elspeth, in all the years she had known her, had been the most meek and forgiving of guardians, and that she, Alwyn, had been undeniably negligent. Nevertheless, why must Elspeth show Roger the kitchen? What was he saying to her out there? And why were they both laughing like that? Cackle, 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 muttered Alwyn viciously. Awfully funny, isn't it? She continued her reflections. Fussing over clearing the supper still. One of Elspeth's absurd ideas, just because it was the maid's evening out. Let her do it when she came back. Such a fuss and excitement always. What would Roger think of them? What a long time they were. She might take the opportunity of going to change her frock. She hesitated. What was that? What was Roger saying? She caught the murmur of his deep voice and her aunt's staccato in answer, but the words were blurred. After all, why should she bother to change? Elspeth would be sure to make unnecessary remarks, and Roger wouldn't care. He was too occupied with Elspeth. Nobody cared. Nobody wanted her. She would go back to Claire tomorrow. But if Claire were in today's humour still... What a wretched week it had been. Even if Claire had not been so moody, Alwyn would have felt ill at ease. She had known perfectly well that she owed the first weeks of her return to her aunt. But at a hint from Claire, she had stifled her conscience and stayed. And now Elspeth, she could tell was deeply hurt. Once away from Claire, Alwyn could reflect and be sorry. She wouldn't have believed that she could be so careless of Elspeth's feelings. She was suddenly and generously furious with herself. How selfish, how abominably selfish she had been. No wonder Roger had been shocked. Of course, neither he nor Elspeth could ever understand how difficult it was to withstand Claire. It had been possible once. 
Her thoughts strayed to that early Christmas when she had resisted Aunt Claire's arguments. But now she had no choice. However determined one might be beforehand, and she had intended to return that first day, once Will was beaten aside, blown about like a straw in a strong wind, if only Roger would understand that. She hated him to think her so selfish. Elspeth needn't have told him, she thought resentfully. It was not like Elspeth to give her away. She supposed she had hurt Elspeth's feelings pretty badly. Why, oh why, hadn't she been firmer with Claire? She had only to say, quite quietly, that she must do what she felt to be right. Claire couldn't have eaten her. She began to rehearse the conversation. It suited her to compose the telling phrases she might have uttered. They sounded all right, but of course, face to face with Claire, she could never have said them. Claire, in indifference, displeasure or appeal, would have conquered without battle given. In her heart she knew that. She moved uneasily about the room, deep in thought. For the first time her attitude to Claire struck her as contemptible. What had Roger said? Like a dog after a thrashing. Intolerable. She flung up her head, her pride writhing under the phrase. So that was how it struck outsiders. Outsiders? She didn't care a dead leaf for outsiders. Let them think what they chose. But Roger? And Elspeth? Did he really think her weak and enslaved? It stung her that Roger should think so meanly of her. She told herself that the loss of his opinion in no way affected her, and instantly began to revolve with within herself phrases, explanations, actions, wherewith to regain it, and there was Elspeth. He had thought her unkind to Elspeth. He was right there. She saw remorsefully, with her usual thoroughness, that she had been, for many a long year, as the plagues of Egypt to her Elspeth. She flung herself on the prim little sofa and stared at the closed door uncertainly. She was too proud to do what she wanted to do, invade the kitchen and, regardless of Roger's eyes and presence, confess to Elspeth and receive absolution. A word, she knew, would be enough. If Elspeth felt as miserable as she did, a word would be more than enough. Elspeth and Roger, returning to the sitting-room, ended her indecision. Their manner had changed. Roger was quieter, less talkative, but Elspeth was so radiant that Alvin decided that, con that contrition could wait. More than ever, she realized that two were company. Her anger grew again as, as she watched and listened. Elspeth had produced cards and suggested three-handed bridge. Alwyn excused herself, and Roger, who had been her partner on occasion at Dean, was obviously relieved. His Alwyn was the one woman, but she could not play bridge. He settled down to double dummy with Elspeth. The conversation became a rapt and technical duet, punctuated with interminable pauses. Alwyn fumed. So this was Elspeth's idea of a really pleasant evening. Cards, beastly, idiotic cards. Roger, her Roger, had come up all the way from Dean to play cards with Elspeth. Had he just? All right, then. 
he should have all the cards he wanted and more as for elspeth catch alwyn telling her she was sorry now the striking of the clock gave her her opportunity she rose yawning elaborately i'm going to bed she remarked to the card table are you dear said elspeth oh oh good night said roger casually rising and sitting down again your shout elspeth Elspeth went, no trumps. Alwyn lingered. Of course, the kitchen fire's out, she said with sour suggestiveness. Do you want a bath? Yes, of course. Do you know, my dear, you're looking rather grubby. Elspeth paid her sweetly. I expect the water will still be hot if you're quick. Don't forget to turn the light off, will you, when you've finished? Alvin made no answer, but she still lingered. Elspeth, finishing her hand, spoke over her shoulder. Alvin, dear, either go out or come in and sit down. There's such a draught. There was a swish of skirts, and all the innumerable ornaments rattled on their shelves. Alvin had permitted herself the luxury of banging the door. Roger laughed like a schoolboy. All is not well, he quoted. Elspeth laughed too, yet half against her will. My poor Alwyn. She hates me to be annoyed with her. It infuriates her. She'll be awfully penitent tomorrow. It's really rather comical, you know. She'll take criticism from anyone else. But I must approve implicitly. And you being here didn't improve matters. She was longing to be nice, and I didn't help her. She was quite aware that she was showing you her worst side and quite unable to get out of the mood. I knew, bless her heart. She looked at him with a quick little gesture of appeal. Roger, you do understand that tantrum meant nothing. She's such an impulsive child. He smiled. I know. Don't you worry. Besides, it was my fault. I was teasing her all the evening. It was not what she expected. Oh, I'm growing subtle enough to please even you, Elspeth. You know, she's had rather a full day. Evidently a scorching afternoon with that delightful friend of hers to start with. Ah, huh? said Elspeth, her eyes brightening. Oh yes, she was distinctly chastened. I improved the occasion and you've about finished her off, the poor old girl. I was expecting that little exhibition. I believe... I believe you enjoy upsetting her, began Elspeth rather indignantly. Of course I do, it's as good as a play, Elspeth sighed. Well, I suppose it's all right. You'll have to manage her for the future, not I. Oh, she'll do all the managing, said Roger ruefully. I foresee that this is my last stand. She's just a trifle in awe of me at present, you know, though she doesn't know it, but it won't last. And then, heaven help me. But you know, cousin Elspeth, to be handpecked by Alwyn, don't you think it will be quite pleasant? It is. She's bullied me since she was three. Oh, Roger, I shall miss her, she blinked rapidly. Roger stared away from her in awkward sympathy. You shan't, not very much, he said. We'll fix things. You'll have to come and settle with us. Elspeth fidgeted. You know, you took my breath away in the kitchen just now, she said. Are you quite sure it's all right? Does Alwyn know she's engaged to you? He perpended. 
Well, frankly, I don't think she did quite take it in. Roger? But I'm buying the engagement ring tomorrow, he added hastily. That'll clear things up. Elspeth looked at him helplessly. Roger, either you're a genius or a lunatic. I'm not sure which, but I think a lunatic. Oh, well, we shall know tomorrow, he observed consolingly. I shall turn up about eleven. Keep Alwyn for me, won't you? Elspeth struck her hands together. It's Claire Hartill's birthday. I'd almost forgotten her. Alwyn will be engrossed. Oh, Roger, you've been telling me fairy tales. We've forgotten Claire Hartill. Roger picked up the scattered cards. With immense caution, he poised a couple tent fashion and builded about them till the house was complete. He added story after story, frowning and absorbed. At the sixth, the structure collapsed. He looked up and met Elspeth's eyes. People in card houses shouldn't raise cane. It's an expensive habit, he remarked sententiously. Elspeth, don't worry, but keep Alwyn till I come tomorrow, won't you? I'll try. Of course, if you're still in a temper. Hula! The door had been softly opened. Alwyn, in her gay dressing gown, stood on the threshold. Her hair was knotted on the top of her head, and small damp curls strayed about her forehead. The folds of her wrapper, humped across her arm, with elaborate care, hinted at the towels and sponges concealed beneath. She looked, in spite of her bigness, like an extremely small child masquerading as a grown-up person. Her eyes sought her aunt's appealingly. Roger, she ignored. Elspeth, she said meekly, please won't you come and tuck me up? She disappeared again. Elspeth laughed as she rose. I knew she wouldn't be content. Isn't she a dear, Roger, for all her little ways? She's all right, said Roger with immense conviction. End of chapter 41